to the doghouse. It's Riverdale Season 4, Episode 2, Chapter 59. Fast times at Riverdale High. Archie forges a new beginning for Mad Dog. Jughead receives a special offer. Veronica pays for her parents' mistakes. Cheryl goes head-to-head with the school's new principal. Hmm. Yep, this is a real episode of Riverdale. Like, this is like an official premiere. I don't know how I feel about this until we talk about it, so... There are things about it that I did really like, and there are things that I'm like, really? We're doing this? Okay. Yeah. It's a little eye-rolling, but I mean, it's Riverdale, so that's normal. But before we can do that, we have to recap the recap. Kevin got left behind. Chick's finally here working for the FBI. Cheryl's chilling with her bro corpse. Veronica's got two parents in jail. Reggie's got a black eye. Archie and Mad Dog are best bros. And Fred is dead. Oh, man, you had to end on that note. That's how it ended. I don't know what to tell you. I know, but also, that's not Chick, it's Charles. Oh, yeah. Chick is Chick is the dude who, yeah. It's the real Chick. It's the real Chick, but we're still calling him Charles. Fine. Okay, so we start the episode off with Jughead's writing at Pops. He's writing and tapping away on his computer, and he's just talking about, like, the rest of the summer after Mr. Andrews' funeral just passed in a haze. And so, like, we all spend as much time together as possible, and we see him look over his shoulder to see the foursome in the booth. Which confirms a long-standing discussion we've had. That we believe the narration is him, like, reading from a book he's written about the past. Yeah. Um, like, this still could be, like, we've, we've used this a little bit, but this is a very clear Jughead's looking at something that it- happened. Yeah, and it, and it could just be as simple as we're showing the passage of a summer of time. Mm-hmm. But I like to think that they're still dropping hints at all of this has been his retelling of this story. Yeah. And so he's just talking about how the town is getting ready for the school year to start. They're mowing the grass. The floors were being buffed at school and the banners were being hung for the first dance of the, the school year. And Archie was doing what he does best, which means he doesn't have his shirt on at the El Royale gym. <laughs> uh, he's boxing with Mad Dog and Archie's just like, hey, come to school. And Mad Dog's like, what? He's like, yeah, come to school. Your brother's going to be a freshman. Come get your diploma. And Mad Dog's like, I don't think textbooks and cafeteria politics really my scene. To which Archie says, yeah. Neither's mine, but my dad wanted me to get my diploma, so I'm going to do it. And like, let's do it together. And you can try out for the Bulldogs, like come to the football team. None of this makes sense. None of this makes sense at all. Uh, so this is stupid, but whatever. Um, like, just just be like, look, come work with the football team, like help out the coach. It's just be a trainer or something. Well, just again, like we've said before, it feels like Mad Dog is supposed to be so much older than Archie. So this feels really weird. And we just don't get enough backstory for Mad Dog for this to make any sense. But okay, we're just going to go with it because that's what we have to do when we watch Riverdale. We cut on over to Charles FBI spot and Betty is concerned because her mom has missed another check in. And Charles is like, don't worry about it. She's been late before and tells her like, hey, until she contacts us, you should focus on being a high school student. Which is like sound advice that Betty's never going to listen to. Nope. Nope. We go over to the Pembroke and Veronica's talking with her lawyer, Sourberry. (laughs) And he's saying, you just need to decide who you're testifying on behalf, your mom or your dad. And Veronica's like, neither. I can be Switzerland. He says, you need to issue a statement of support because the press want to know where you stand. And Veronica says, no comment. That's my statement. She leaves. Like she doesn't want anything to do with either parent. Both sides of this have an argument to make. Yeah. 
I mean, like I do understand Sourberry going to her and being like, you got to make a decision because you're going to get pressed either way. Yeah. If you do nothing, this is only going to get worse. So yeah. you need to just say something. True. We go over to Thistlewood. We're in the basement. And Cheryl is asking JJ what she should wear for the first day of school. White after Labor Day or my signature red? And, you know, he doesn't say anything because he's a corpse. And she says, I agree 100%. Yeah. We talked in our preview cast about the fact that, like, it's really easy to laugh at this, but it's also really sad what's happening. Like, there's something seriously wrong with her. And I just really hope that we actually deal with it this season. But I don't trust these people. We go back to the Pembroke and it's the foursome. And they're talking about how it's their last night of summer vacation in nine months life as we know it will be over. And Betty's being super dramatic. I can't help but think life goes by so fast. And none of us are very good at stopping to savor it. This is a horrible bastardization of the line (laughs) from Ferris Bueller's Day Off, which is David's favorite movie ever. I love that movie. Ew. And are you are you turning around a little bit on the whole Ferris Bueller shove-in thing? No, Dave and I got into a heated argument in the doghouse drive-thru about this whole thing. I just hate this turn of this phrase because it's an obvious call, but it's done poorly. Like it's just it's just bad. It's a did, bad turn of phrase. Did legal come to you and say if you use the actual line, we're gonna sue you or you're gonna have to pay royalties? I don't know. But like also Then they're like, yeah, but we're going to do it tonight. And so they all start making out. And then Archie and Veronica leave the room. And I guess go up to Veronica's room. And Jughead and Betty start getting it on in the middle of Veronica's apartment. Okay. I mean, everyone's consenting. Good for y'all. But this is so fucking weird. Sleepover. Gross. (laughs) And we cut directly to the morning. They didn't set an alarm. We're going to be late for senior year. Which is funny. It is funny. Of all the bullshit in the show. That's pretty funny. It is the dumbest scene ever, though. It is porn premise bad. It was like, oh, they need to be having sex as much as possible this season, which if that's what they're going to do, fine. But this is just weird. Like, it just feels weird. Go the fuck home. Betty and Jughead live together. (laughs) Go fuck at home. It is Cinemax level movie bad. Yeah, it is just bad. And so we cut over to Riverdale High. They're running in and we run right into the new principal. It's Mr. Honey. And Veronica's like, we apologize for the tardiness, Mr. Honey. It won't happen again. And Mr. Honey is being played by the wonderful Kerr Smith of Dawson's Creek fame. And they have ruined him by making him dye his gorgeous silver hair. Kerr Smith has aged so perfectly with his silver hair and they covered it up, and I hate it, and it better become a plot point so that we can get another hot dad of Riverdale. I don't care if he's a dad here or not. <laughs> he will be so hot. I got nothing. I know. He's just so pretty, but <laughs> but he's very stern, much like Mr. Weatherby. He's just like, I don't know what Weatherby was doing around here, but it's going to be different. We're going to have order, discipline, and consequences. So, like, he's serious about shit, which, which I do like. We should have an adult who cares about rules. I like it. But he's so overstern that he's suspicious. Well, of course, it's a new adult in Riverdale. They're hiding something. Something's wrong. He's on the run. But more <laughs> importantly is that line of, I don't know what kind of ship Weatherby was running. I'm like, Weatherby was an asshole. Like, they've never had a principal who was, like, friendly and warm with the kids. So no. I don't I don't know what that's supposed to mean. Well, it's because he doesn't know what was allowed. Like, he doesn't. And that's fair. It's just letting this- him know there's a new person in charge 
and I ain't put up with this shit from y'all. It's just this accusatory tone that comes from him that it was like, this is a weird choice, y'all. Like, I like it because it's both very different from Weatherby while also being like the authoritative adult. And like, this isn't going to go well for you, mister. Oh. Like, it's just not. Well, <laughs> let's see what happens. We go over to the bulldog locker room and Reggie is talking to Coach Clayton, which like, where the fuck is Chuck Clayton? Like, we never really addressed that. I know we got kicked off the football team, but like, he should still be at school. So Reggie's talking to Coach Clayton and we hear Coach Clayton say to Reggie, you're one of the fastest we got, Mantle. And then in walks Archie and Mad Dog. And they're like, hey, you got one more? You got room? And Coach Clayton's like, well, we kind of already set the lineup. And Mad Dog's like, well... Like, if you have room for me, I'd like to play. And Coach Clayton's like, yeah, sure. What's your name? I know his name is Monroe Moore. Okay. Like, no, that's so dumb. I don't like it. This isn't how any of this works. This isn't how football works. I mean, small town Riverdale. If we got space here on your team, you can play. Like, I'm okay with that. But this is so stupid. And so Coach Clayton says, okay, come out to practice. Show us what you got. And... Archie says to Monroe, this is going to be the best season ever as they're walking out. And you can see on Reggie's face, he is not happy. Which I do get. Totally. Like, this is this is totally set up for Reggie to be like, have competition and be like, I was finally going to have like my thing. It's my time. The way this would have actually worked well mm -hmm. is if it was one on one competition between Mad Dog and Reggie. Well, if if it was just tryouts as a whole, why does the team lineup have to be already set? Why can't we just, hey, I know I'm late, but can I still sign up for tryouts? And now it's they're both going to battle it out for that last spot. Yeah. That would have made more sense and also been like, okay, so Monroe, because I don't want to call him Mad Dog anymore. He is of high school age. He's going to come to school, but he's going to play football. Like it would have been okay. It would have just like wrapped it in together better. I think what I'm realizing this episode feels sloppy. It feels fun and good like a Riverdale episode, but the thing that bothers me is that they've made these decisions that don't make a whole lot of sense because they're just trying to shove the plot. I don't know about that, but it's just, it's one of those like, okay, I like the idea of like, let's keep Monroe, let's keep him and use him to like further this part of the relationship, further football in the show, but like, let's introduce him and wrap him into it in a better like more believable like grounded way yeah it, it just feels like they're they're just like let's push everything forward as fast as we possibly can it was like we could you know throw a little bit of thread in there to make it work mm -hmm. so we cut on over to the blue and gold and kevin has shown up and he wants to sign up to be on the blue and gold he's thinking about being an arts reporter and betty is just like not giving him the time of day and so kevin goes on to be like i've done a lot of work on myself and ever since I got left behind by the farm I've realized that I don't need the farm to make me feel whole but I do need my friends especially my former best friend and he apologizes for the way he treated Betty while he was under Edgar's spell to which it's fair like he feels very genuine and he says all the right things here he does it's real hard to tell how genuine Kevin is true and I don't like how they've done Kevin in this episode at all but there are moments here that do feel very genuine i like when he says i do need my friends because i feel like that's very true yeah and i do think it's fair for betty to say like oh like how you were dragging me by my ankles to get a lobotomy uh-huh like super fucking bitter but like also fair and kevin says i'm most ashamed of that and i hope i can show you how much i've changed and i hope to prove to you that you can trust me again i'm so sorry betty okay this is a really good apology 
genuine or not, it's acknowledging the fact that I did something wrong and I understand it's going to take you time to trust me. Like, it's not expecting everything to go back to perfect instantly. No. Which I really hate when they show that in relationships. Like, well, I said I'm sorry. Everything should go back to normal. Doesn't always work that way. No. Like, it, like the apology has to fit the crime and the awkwardness and the rebuilding of the friendship and the trust also has to fit the crime. The, the other person has to have the time to heal. I appreciate this. I really do. Betty just says, okay, just fill out an application, Kev, and we'll see. Which is not dismissive, but it's just like, I don't know how to feel about this. Which is also very fair. Yeah, it's a really good scene. I like where they're going with it. My biggest thing is, I can't reserve judgment on this until I know what Kevin's arc is the rest of the season. Which we're always very trepidatious about because they've really fucked with Kevin. Yeah. Like, Uh, yeah. Just until I know what turn they're going to make with him Mm -hmm. and are they going to make him have been a mole for the farm the whole time? Are they going to suck him back in? I don't know. (laughs) And then without that, I can't really say, okay, I like this. Or like, he seems like he's actually healing from this. Yeah. Cut to a classroom. And then we hear over the loudspeaker, Jackhead Jones to the principal's office, Jackhead Jones to the principal's office. And so Jackhead's walking in. Am I in trouble again? (laughs) No, you have a visitor. And so he goes into principal Honey's office and he's introduced to Mr. Chipping. It's like, all right, nice to meet you. And they're like, oh, over the summer, you submitted a short story to a writing contest. And Jughead's like, yeah, but I didn't win. And Mr. Chipping says, yeah, I know I was one of the judges, but I was impressed and I couldn't sway my fellow judges. So I'm here to offer you an opportunity to come study with me at Stonewall Prep, which fuck you, Stonewall Prep. Fuck you for that name. I'm just... Fuck yeah. The way you've treated queer characters on this story, show. Um, you you haven't earned that and fuck you. I don't care if it's canon to the comic because I don't know actually, but fuck you. So like, I'm, I'm not happy about this. So Jack is very confused and he's just like, okay, great. Thanks. But no, bye. <laughs> and so he leaves. Like, he's just not interested, which is fair. Very Jughead. Just nopes on out. We're in the hallway and Archie and Veronica are talking and Veronica is very excited because Mrs. Burble said, I'm a shoe in for Harvard. Barf. Barf. And okay, this is <laughs> like, this is great. Archie just says, well, I guess I better start looking at community college and where's Harvard? <laughs> I, I love you, big dumb Archie. You're so pretty. You're so pretty. But then all of a sudden, some paparazzi have run into the school, which would never fucking happen. Nope. And starts asking her. Did your mother really try to have your father killed? You know, whose side will you choose? And Archie's like, oh, hell no. Like He's, he's like, get him back. Get him back. He's being very protective, like good boyfriend moves. Yep. And Veronica's like, oh, hell no. I'm not having my senior year ruined by a bunch of blood sucking paparazzi. And she pulls the fire alarm. Screw it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Uh, I have to thank Wonderful Friends and the internet for pointing out the term himbo, mm-hmm. which is the mashup of him and bimbo. Yep. And that is big Archie energy all day long. Where's Harvard? (laughs) He's just big dumb Archie. I laughed so hard at that one. It was so good. It was great. We cut on over to the principal's office again. Cheryl is there with acting student body vice president Antoinette Topaz. They're there to welcome Mr. Honey to Riverdale. And he goes, yeah, I actually was going to talk to you about the back to school dance that you've organized. It's canceled. To which Cheryl goes, why for? (laughs) <laughs> how dare you like what what the fuck do you think you are at the last school dance multiple students were murdered fair point you are not you've done your homework principal honey <laughs> and 
Cheryl being Cheryl's like, but that's exactly why we need this dance to heal. And if I may speak from personal experience, the back to school dance after my brother Jason's death provided much needed catharsis. There's like this nice pause. Like She's totally trying to flirt with him uh-huh. about this. And he's just like straight up not into it. Well, I disagree. Now I'll only repeat myself once. There will be no back to school dance. <laughs> Which, okay, again, he's just decided I'm not putting up with y'all shit. There is nonsense afoot and I'm not here for it. That is Mr. Honey. Children have not been in class. They have not done well. Like, what the fuck is going on here? So, like, no, I love him and I love him as, like, an authoritative person shutting down Cheryl. I do. I'm just worried that they're going to make some sort of weird serial killer turn with him. I don't know. I don't know yet. But I do really want to see adults who are not charmed by Cheryl's bullshit. Yeah. Like, if he can be someone who's very steadfast and like, when I say no, I mean no. And like punishments mean something. Actions have consequences and you're going to have to face them. There needs to be a presence in Cheryl's life that actually makes that happen because otherwise Cheryl is the worst fucking character on this whole show. I would love instead for the turn to be that they come to respect Mr. Honey instead. Uh, we uh, That would be nice. But probably not. No. So we go over to the football field and the guys are playing football and Reggie makes a mistake. And Reggie's dad is there. Yelling and screaming at Reggie from the sidelines and telling him what an embarrassment he is. <sighs> Which I said it in our drive-thru. I really don't like this storyline because I just like it's to me it's trauma porn. For me, I think it's it's an okay storyline because it's something that they've set up before. Yes, they are setting up something we already know that Reggie's dad has been physically abusive to him. And it's something that honestly, if they're gonna keep going, they need to address. I think they used it in a really good way, which we'll talk about later. We cut on over to the Riverdale Vixens locker room and we hear a, like a camera snap and you know all the girls are clearly getting dressed and Veronica's like, what the hell? And she turns around and she goes around the corner and there's this guy taking pictures and they're like, what are you doing? And he's like, um, a reporter from rumordale.com reached out and he told me he would pay me 500 bucks for a photo of Veronica. How am I supposed to say no to that? And they take his camera and pull out the film, which none of the demographic watching the show know what that is. Sorry to insult you, but it's just it's just funny at this point. And they pull the film out and like, you just say it, you worm. It should have been a female photographer. They should have been going after this person and being like, so I- perverts in the locker room. And then it was like, it was yeah, make, a girl. They make a comment about Spank Bank, and it shouldn't... No, it should have been... I don't care who it is, but it shouldn't have been in the locker room because it's creepy and gross. And also, that's a fucking crime. Yeah. That's a big fucking crime. We already have this problem amongst teenagers. Don't perpetuate it with this media. Hey, guess what? Could have been taking pictures during cheerleading practice. Sure. Instead of in the fucking or locker room. on a date with Archie at Pops or like just doing anything. Like they could have had it where like she felt like someone was stalking her and it was someone taking pictures for Rumordale.com, which also, fuck yeah, I love that. And it is a real website that is owned by WB. There's nothing there, but they own the URL. Because I went to it. They better own it soon and they, have something up there. They better fucking add some stuff up there soon. Just for fun. But again, sloppy. 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 So now we go to the locker room, the football guys locker room. And this is not good. This is not good because Reggie's feeling bad about what happened on the football field. And so he's 
being mean to Monroe. And they're kind of going back and forth. Oh, like, I thought it was Mad Dog. Or is that what they called you in jail? And Monroe's like, it was Juvie. And your boy Archie was there with me. So it's like, okay, if you're going to punch down on me for having been on Juvie, you have to do it to your friend, too. Uh-huh. Like, he's kind of using Archie as a shield in that way, which is totally fair. Uh-huh. And then Reggie makes a dropping the soap joke, which is fucking gross and very homophobic and inappropriate. So, um, fuck off, R.A.S., and they they start to get to fight, and Archie like breaks them up, and Reggie starts yelling at Archie. He's like, you know, I've been captain of the Bulldogs since sophomore year. I don't need some ex-con who showed up last minute stealing my thunder. And Archie just gives it right back to Reggie. He's like, I saw your dad giving you a hard time, but man up, you're supposed to be captain. Which like it's like I acknowledge what's actually happening, but that is not an excuse for the way you're behaving. I do appreciate that. That's what they had Archie do. I appreciate it. But Archie just saw his dad getting angry. And I feel like they should have figured this out by now. Like he's best bros with Reggie. This is not the first time this has happened. I don't know. We don't know. But also Archie was not at school last year. He was never there. Yeah. So like, I okay. It is not anyone else's job to know that someone is being abused. Absolutely not. I would agree with that. Because also, people who are abused can be really good at hiding it. Like, they just can't. And that's super fucking unfortunate. But here's the thing. Archie saw it. He saw his friend act out as a result of it. And he called him on it. That is good. And also, when Archie finds out what's happening, Archie says something about it. (sighs) But it's all marred by this super inappropriate joke. We go back to Charles' FBI place, and Betty has shown up. She's got Chinese food, and she's got fortune cookies, and Charles is not around. So she's starting to look at case files, and she finds out that Kevin has been under surveillance. And Charles comes out. He's like, what are you doing? You're reading classified information? And it's like, (laughs) no fucking shit, dude. Like, you don't know your sister at all. It's true. He doesn't. So Betty's like mad that Kevin's under surveillance. But Charles says, yeah, we didn't think he cut ties with the farm and he's been texting with things Fogarty. And like this could be a blessing in disguise. We could use this relationship to our advantage because Kevin keeps trying to see Fangs, but Fangs is holding him off because he wants something in return. So they decide they're going to slip some fake intel to Kevin and lure Fangs out of hiding. And so Charles says the first step is to develop Kevin as an asset. Do you think you can do that? To which Betty goes, 100%. Which is icky. It's icky, but at the same time, Betty's super fucking pissed about Kevin and the way he's treated her. So this is a little bit revenge. And it turns around on her later. Like, she turns it around later. It does. My problem isn't the entire idea of this. It's that it's Kevin. Yeah. That's what makes it really gross. Mm -hmm. Like, if it was anybody else, Mm -hmm. if it was, I don't know, Ethel? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, that's a different thing now, right? Ethel is somebody who is in and out, and maybe she got sucked back in, or you know, she's still got ties to the farm, whatever. Then it feels a little more natural. But Kevin is always the one that gets this role. Like it just every time it keeps happening, and it's like, why are you doing this to one of your most beloved characters on this show. And also, like, one of your best actors on this show, because Casey Cott is doing his best. I mean, I will give him credit. He still sells every bit of it. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, 
you keep putting this character in impossible situations. I don't know what you expect to happen. You better get Moose back and they can live happily ever after. It's just, it's just you. It's either that or deprogram Fangs, one of the two. Therapy for all. <laughs> all right. So we go over to Thistlewood and Tony is walking down the hallway to the basement room. And it may not be a basement, but that's what I'm calling it. Um, and she's got a candelabra because that's what you do when you walk around this house. <laughs> and... Cheryl comes out of the, the doors and she's locking it. It's like, you scared me. What are you doing in there? I was praying. Since when are you religious? <laughs> I was looking for some divine guidance on how to handle this discord with Mr. Honey. And the spirits didn't fail to deliver a hellaciously simple idea. Uh, and so they're going to throw a party instead of a dance. And we cut to Cheryl's walking down the hallways. She's doing a little hair flippy and she's handing out invitations with some other river vixens. And she walks up to Mr. Honey and says, your name may be Honey, but I will always be Queen Bee. You have no power over me. And as she walks by, she flips her hair at him. And this is where she made the mistake, because if she had never said that to him, he wouldn't have done shit to her. Nope. He would have been like, of course, like because that is what kids do. And he does have no power over her technically when she's not at school. Like when you're at my school, you're going to play by my rules. But you did this to me. You disrespected me at my workplace. Oh, it's on. I can play this game with you, which I love. I love an adult who's not scared of her. So we cut on over to we're at Stonewall Prep. And we have this lovely, annoying dude named Brett Weston Wallace. Hey, are you Forsyth? Yeah. I'm Brett Weston Wallace. Mr. Chipping asked me to roll out the red carpet. You can call me Jughead. I prefer Forsyth. Okay. So we're already getting into super yuppie territory, though. I do like the name Brett Weston Wallace. That's a call to Brett Easton Ellis, who wrote American Psycho. And also just as garbage as this dude. Totally. Blah, 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 blah. The school's great. Teachers are awesome. Mr. Chipping's cool. And then Mr. Chipping shows up and is like, all right, let's invite you to the salon with us. Uh, What's that? We're going to discuss Moby Dick. Oh, that's my favorite. So they go. Brett's like, Betty, you can come too. I bet you have a lot to say about Moby Dick, which is so fucking pointed and rude. And Betty's like, no, no, I don't. I think I've gotten my fill of this place already. It's a lot to digest. To which then Brett goes, speaking of which, in the cafeteria, we've got vegan, keto vegan, raw keto vegan. And then he just keeps going as we transition into another scene, which I love, love. It's great. I just love how Betty looks and be like, Fuck off. Fuck off, you jackass. That line where she says her name. Oh, cute. Very sweet Valley High. Yeah. It makes me want to throw up in my mouth. Yeah. Well, I love the call to the sweet Valley High, too. He's so gross in the best way. We cut on over to the principal's office, and this time it's Veronica's turn there. I don't get this scene at all. So his whole thing is, I don't like drama, and there's this article on Rumordale, promising drama, and I'm assuming you've read that. Basically, he's mad because paparazzi are showing up at the school because she hasn't given a statement. So they're following her around, hounding her for information. Yeah. Which I understand. Like, he thinks she's playing into it and creating the drama. But also his job as an educator and principal is to protect her while she's at school. So he should be more concerned with, like, is there anything we can do to make sure that they don't show up anymore? Because I don't like drama. What I would really like from him, they play him up as this sort of conniving villain type. Mm -hmm. And instead, what I would like way more of is just blunt. Blunt would be good. Like if if it was less unctuous about it, because there's something seedy there, which I'm sure is playing into some bigger plot that they've got with his character. Sure. 
And basically he just says, I think you might need to take a sabbatical to get all this personal matter sorted. Which I think is a perfectly reasonable suggestion from that character. True. Like, but it should have been more of an ask. It should have been, do you think it might be a good idea for you to take some time off of school so that you can deal with this? So because I don't want your school to suffer. Like if it came from that angle, it would anchor it and still be super fucking stern about it and be like, I don't like this type of drama at my school. Because it's not good for you and it's not good for my other students. So do you think it might be better for you to take a break? Because he could have come at it with the same attitude. They just, they have made this character one note from the second he came on screen. And I don't know why, because he doesn't need to be. Mm -hmm. We get to Pops and it's Betty and Kevin and they're talking and they're being sweet and reminiscing a little bit. And Betty lets it slip that they've found a witness who's going to testify against the farm. And this whole scene, like, you can see Kevin, he's trying to be curious and not excited. Yeah. But he definitely wants more information. And then we instantly cut to the forest, and Kevin's there to meet Fangs. And it's just like, can I hug you? I missed you so much. And Fangs is like, I missed you too, but you said you had some information. Yeah, there's a witness who's going to come forward against Edgar. Fang starts asking questions, and Kevin's like, I don't, I don't know, but that's not the only reason you wanted to meet me, right? And Fang says, Edgar and the rest of the farm don't think you can be trusted. But if you find out who the witness is, then maybe things might change and we can be together. And so Kevin's like, oh, okay, I'll try. And so he leaves, and Betty is like, you're so messed up, Kevin. <laughs> and then Mom drags him out of the forest. Totally fair. It's totally <laughs> she, fair. She pulls an Alice Cooper on him. Mm-hmm. We cut on over to the speakeasy, and it's Reggie and Veronica. And Reggie's got sunglasses on. And Veronica says, okay, Reggie, there's this article on RumorDale.com about me, about Le Bon Nuit, an inside source with intimate knowledge of my businesses and claims that I'm a criminal kingpin, not my father. Was it you? Are you the inside source? And Reggie's just like not saying anything. And she's like, why are you wearing those glasses? So he takes him off. I didn't say a word, but you should ask your old man. And Veronica's shocked by his eye. Uh-huh. It's like, oh my goodness. And so we cut to Veronica's in bed with Archie. And Archie's like, so did Reggie do it? No. Archie, Reggie had a black eye and it wasn't the first time either. And Archie's like, what do you mean from practice? And Veronica says, no, I think, no, I know. Reggie's dad hits him. So, okay. Like, Veronica's like, put words to it. And Archie knows now. Okay. Like, and this is shocking to Archie. So now we're going to interrogate Kevin with Charles. <laughs> and Kevin just says, I wasn't thinking clearly. I wanted to see Fangs. And so they're yelling at him. Just like, you just wanted to trade information so you could get back in good graces with the farm. And Kevin lets something slip that is really, is so true. Betty, you ignored me all summer. And I understand. But I was alone. At least Fangs texted me back. He's all I have. And that is so Sad because Kevin does have his dad. Yeah. And we don't really know what his relationship with his mom is. We know she's in the service. So she's overseas. And he also has Josie as a stepsister now. And we know like in universe, she's like gone away to be on tour. But like, it's just so sad that he feels alone. Yeah. And it makes sense for him to be clinging to Fangs. But I just hate that they've done this to Kevin because he's so much better than this. We never should have gotten this character to this point, especially when that character has so much more to offer by being in the town. Mm-hmm. And eh. I don't know what else to say besides that. It's just immensely frustrating. Mm-hmm. 
because this character is so good and they did so many good things with him in season one and in season two. And then they do this and it's just icky and it's gross and I just hate it. Charles takes Betty out of the room and he's just like, we got to cut him loose. He's traumatized. This is not cool. And Betty is, she believes Kevin. She's like, no, I think he's going to help us. He's lonely. We're going to do this. We cut back to football. We play again. Reggie sucks. He makes a boo-boo. He drops the ball. And his dad is there to yell at him. And this time, Archie comes by and he starts yelling at Mr. Mantle. He's like, are you going to hit him again? Give him another black eye? To which Mr. Mantle's like, what the hell have you been saying? Nothing, dad. And Archie and Reggie get into it. He's like, Andrews is none of your business. And Archie's just standing up for him. He's like, Reggie works his ass off on this field while you stand here and yell. And we all have to listen to it. So get the hell out of here or I'll throw you out myself. And then Archie's telling Reggie, like, your dad has no right to treat you like this. Knock it off. And then Reggie goes right into, I'm going to defend my dad. Like, you're dead meat to me. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to kill you, Andrews. There's a part of me that read that, too, of you're dead meat to me, Andrews, because now I have to deal with this. I think that's fair. But it's also like that whole, like, he's in a shitty position where it's like, of course, I don't want to tell anybody this is what's going on with my dad. And I don't want anyone to tell my dad beats me. That's horrible. Yeah. Like, I don't want anyone to know that. But now you've said it out loud. And the like, I'm going to get it that much worse because my dad thinks I told people that. Yeah. Like, that's what it is. It's total defensive move. I don't know that there's a good way to call it out. No. And it's Archie. Like, mm-hmm. Archie's going to barrel in no matter what. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's just that we should have addressed it in mm-hmm. show that this is a not great move. Yeah. But something feels real bad about Archie just rushing in there and doing that. Mm Because I'm like, oh, that's not good for Reggie, though. Yeah. So we cut on over to Stonewall Prep and we're in the classroom where they're going to have the salon about Moby Dick. Jughead shows up with Betty and Brett is like, hey, guys, this is that kid from Riverdale, Forsyth. This is Donna, Jonathan, and Joan. Mr. Chipping comes in and they start talking about Moby Dick. And like one kid is like, ugh, do we have to deal with this? And they they talk about, like, what does the whale mean? And Jughead is like, nothing. What? It's established that Melville hated allegory, and he's quoted as saying that his biggest fear was that Moby Dick would be seen as some kind of fable. To which, like, this seems to impress Mr. Chipping and some of the other students, and Betty's kind of, like, smiling about this. And then Jug, you can see Jughead's like, oh, these kids actually read the book. Uh-huh. Like, they're on the same level as me. Like, I'm not just talking nonsense to me. So that's cool, and I like that. But he also stumps all of them. He does. Not only did I read about the book, but I know about the author as well. Yep. So like the whale isn't supposed to mean anything. It's a whale. Which also feels a little bit how Jughead writes things. A little bit. Like mm-hmm. it's not supposed to be dripping with all these other layers. Yeah. But like that's also like the genius of things that can have multiple layers. But that's not the show. Hmm. Coming over to prison Hiram and Veronica's there in her blonde wig. <laughs> And she's just complaining. And Hiram's like, oh, are you receiving some blowback from lying through your teeth to get me arrested? How unfortunate. <laughs> I love you, Mark Consuelos. You are a lovely cheeky villain. And it's precious. Uh-huh. And she's mad at him. And he says, Miha, I'm not paying for your crimes. I merely told the truth. I told the world what you are. A lodge through and through. Deal with it. He gets up and leaves. And he's not wrong. He's such a dick, though. He is a dick. I mean, he's doing this to his own daughter. But at the same time, like, she thinks she's hot shit and she's not. So we go over to Thistlewood and it's party time. She's just like, yay, Mr. Honey's not going to ruin our fun. Or my name is it, Cheryl Marjorie Blossom. And so everybody's eating or, you know, playing around. And we come on over to Veronica 
and Betty and Jughead. And Veronica's like, okay, what what is this about transferring? Tell them what's going on. And Jughead says, I actually had a good time. All these kids read the book. Veronica says, Jughead, there's no school more nihilistic or privileged than Stonewall. And how could you leave your girlfriend? To which Betty says, we'll make it work. I would miss you, but we'll figure it out. And Veronica reiterates, you would be miserable. You would just trust me. You would be miserable. We have to trust that Veronica understands the world of prep school. She understands these kids. Yeah. If anybody knows what happens at these schools, it's Veronica. Yeah. And Jughead says that he's just trying to keep an open mind, which again, it's fair. So we cut back to that hallway to the basement and Reggie's drunk and he's trying to get through the door. And Cheryl's like, what are you doing? And he's like, I don't need to find the bathroom. Ugh, get thee to the barn with the other animals. <laughs> yeah. She still has such good lines. I just wish they had ruined her character. Yeah. Later in the party, we've got Betty talking to Kevin. She's like, I'm sorry that we interrogated you. And Kevin's like, I get it. You're trying to save your mom. Okay. This puts it on the line. And Betty tells him that her mom is undercover. And I'm telling you this to trust you because I know you can turn around and tell things. And she tells him that the person who's going to testify is Penelope Blossom. Yeah. Like, it's a lie, but she's telling him. And that's that's been their plan the whole time. Mm-hmm. But she tells Kevin that it's a lie. She's like, we're just, we just need to find out where they are. Yep. So, okay, cool. We cut on over to Reggie is now fully drunk. And he's doing that drunk party walk where, like, he's searching for something, but he's not entirely sure what it is. Uh-huh. I've done this at a party. Like you just you you know it when you see it. Like they're very <laughs> determined, but they don't actually know what it is they're looking for. And he sees Archie talking to Monroe, and he's just like, "Who invited the new guy, Cheryl? You know this guy." Cheryl's just like, "No, but I certainly don't object to him being here, which is more than I can say for you." <laughs> I love how she takes a moment, stares, meh. No, but you're being drunk and obnoxious, so you need to go. <laughs> All of a sudden, you know, the cops show up. Oh, great. Now the popo has arrived. And in comes Sheriff FP. He's walking around. He goes, all right, party's over. Everybody go home. Jughead boy, you better not be drinking whatever's in that cup. And my favorite take ever, because I just love, I love the dynamic between FP and Jughead. Jughead just looks at his father. He has a drink in his hand and just tips it over (laughs) and then puts his drink back. And it's just like, "Mm -hmm. nope, dad, I'm not drinking anything. (laughs) Not even, not even in a pretend way. He's just like. Okay, dad, whatever. I'm good. I love their dynamic. It is the best. And he said, boy, which just Skeet Ulrich hits so perfect. It's just, they're perfect together. It's my favorite. Like, it just is. Reggie sees this and he's like, Sheriff Jones, someone get this man a beer. You want to see the inside of a drunk tank tonight, Mantle? To which Archie comes, I'll take him home, Mr. Jones. Cheryl comes in and is just like, okay, what are the charges? Someone called the station about the noise. Impossible. All Thistlewood's neighbors are either deaf or dead. So who made this absurd complaint? And he says, uh, honey, party's over, Cheryl. What is up with FP giving out names of people who made complaints? Like, yeah, he didn't need to do that. But it's a small town and I'm sure she would have figured it out in two seconds. Like, it doesn't matter, but it's still stupid. Well, he did the same thing with the hit and run. I know. I'm like, yo, Sheriff FP. Shut the hell up. Yeah, it's great. Don't be telling people who are making police complaints. That ain't good. Now we cut to we're on a street bench and it's Archie and Reggie. And this is actually really sweet. This one is very good. This is great. And Archie says, Reg, I already know, but how'd you get the black eye? And Reggie's like, what do you want me to say? My dad hits me for the stupidest things. He's been doing it for as long as I can remember. And then Reggie gives the sweetest thing. Ugh. And sad. 
And he always he talks about how he wishes he had the relationship that Archie had with his dad. Mm-hmm. And that when he heard that his dad died, he thought, why wasn't it my dad? Mm. Ugh, that guts me so much. Ugh. Yeah. Fuck it. And so ugh, Archie says, okay, what can we do? What can I do? Which is like quintessential Archie just being amazing. I love it. But and Reggie throws it right back at him like, with the perfect line. You've already done enough. You called him out. Now it's on me. I got to take a stand. And so Archie's like, okay, what are you thinking? Like this, <laughs> I don't like the sound of this. Cut directly to... We're in a garage. There's this beautiful red car that says Magnificent on the license plate. And Archie's like, bro, are you sure about this? And Reggie says, sometimes I think he loves this car more than he does me. And Archie's like, you know, man, you could just, you could talk to him. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, this car's really pretty. Like, really pretty. And Reggie's like, I tried. He doesn't listen. And I think it's time he starts to listen. He takes a bat and he bashes in the windshield. To which Archie's like, uh, holy hell, Reg. And then, you know, Reggie smashes a few more things. He's like, that'll bring this to a head. It's okay, Archie. I outweigh him by 50 pounds. <laughs> and so one of the things that you and I argued about in our drive through is that this is an obvious call to Ferris Bueller's day off. Yeah. And, and the one line that is pretty direct is, I think he loves this car more than he does me. There's that. There's the hands on head. Holy hell, Reg, which is Ferris in that scene going, holy shit. True. But that's okay. It's a very iconic scene in a movie. It's teenagers up to mischief. There's a father-son problem that needs to come to a head. So I'm fine with that. I wish we had gotten this and not the stupid line from Betty at the beginning. Here's why I have a problem with it. In Ferris Bueller's Day Off, the dynamic is that his dad is distant, Mm -hmm. not abusive. Distant is a form of abuse. He's withholding emotions. It's emotional abuse. Yes, I understand that. But we're dealing with a much heavier topic of a kid getting hit by his father. Yep. Well. And I just, I feel like you are cheapening the discussion of a pretty heady, heavy topic by making a movie reference here. No, I don't think they're cheapening anything. What more of the conversation are they supposed to have? They had the important moment on the bench. So what are they supposed to do now? I'm going to talk to my dad. Well, that's not interesting. That doesn't solve the problem. And it's also not in keeping in what we know about Reggie or these parents, for that matter. I'm sure it's my closeness to the movie that colors it a bit. Oh, it absolutely is. I just feel like in some way, and I can't put my finger on it, why? Mm -hmm. It just feels a little cheap to me. It just does. I can't tell you exactly what it is that makes it feel that way. But I don't like that they aimed at that scene after having set up a much more serious issue. And to me, it just doesn't feel like they're treating it with the weight they need to. I don't think that's true. I think they gave it way more weight than they would have previously. Because if we didn't have the scene on the bench, then this is cheap. This is fucking cheap. Yeah. It is. But we had that conversation and Reggie needs feels like he needs to make a stand. And this is how Reggie's going to make a stand. We know Reggie's dad is a car salesman. So like this holds significant weight to him. This is what matters to Reggie's dad. So for Reggie to say, I think he loves his car more than he loves me. And he's beating me up. I'm going to beat the thing he loves. That's what that is. Like you don't have to love it, but it's not cheap at all. That's fair. That's fair. I just that scene in particular, I am incredibly close to. And so I'm very suspicious of anything that's not Ferris Bueller's Day Off. 
I get it. Because I think it was done so artfully in that movie and so honestly. And this show doesn't always do things that way. No, that's definitely not what Riverdale does. But here's the thing. Ferris Bueller still exists. Okay, we cut back to Riverdale. We're in a classroom and we're getting started. And we've got a teacher who's like, okay, like who did the reading? (laughs) Who wants to read for us? Okay, I'll start. Like nobody's interested in what's going on. So Jughead's like kind of bored. And Betty's just watching Jughead. And so finally she's like, I can't take this anymore. Come with me. So they just walk out of class because that happens. <laughs> I don't understand. And she says, you need to go to Stonewall Prep. I hate saying that, but it's a chance of a lifetime and you should take it. So go before I change my mind. And he's like, what? And she says, don't worry about us. We'll make it work. We've been through way worse. So go pack up your stuff. I'll handle everything here. So he takes off. Like he gives her a big kiss. It's really sweet. And he goes. Yeah. And like, I like this. I really do like that they showed us how he found his intellectual equals at this other school. And then like being at the regular school, it wasn't that he didn't want to be there and he didn't fit in. It was just that there's something that's missing for Jughead. Yeah. And I love that he's not going to make that change himself for a lot of different reasons. One of the main ones being Betty. Betty his friends, like everything that's been happening, everything they've gone through is a reason to stay. But like he needs to push from the other people to be like, no, you should go. And finally for Betty to just go, you're so bored. Go be happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you deserve to be happy. So we cut to the locker room and it's Archie and Reggie and Archie's like, okay, so how'd your dad react? He's like, oh, it did what it was supposed to do. I was talking and I said some things that he needed to hear. And I don't think he'll be coming to practices anymore. And so, like, that's great. Okay, so, like, the issue is resolved as far as we know. And I like how Reggie's like, bros. No. And, which is so sweet. And Reggie's like, come on, dude, bros for life. Ugh. It's so sweet. It's so sweet. My beautiful, sweet, dumb boys. Yes, they're so precious. <laughs> so we go over to the Pembroke and Veronica's leaving. She opens the door. It's paparazzi, paparazzi, paparazzi. And so she shuts the door. And she takes a deep breath. She's like, okay, fine. And she opens the door and she says, okay, I'll give my first, last, and only press conference on the subject of my parents tonight at Le Bon Nuit after a special performance. Okay, great. Cut to Le Bon Nuit. And we've got Cheryl and Tony as backup dancers. And Veronica is doing all that jazz from Chicago, which is a perfect pull. It's a perfect song for both Camila Mendez's voice. Like when she sang in the Heathers episode, that was the best her voice had ever sounded. She does very well with the presentational musical style. Everything else has been garbage. I'm sorry. It just is. And also the time period, because that takes place during the 20s. And they've really been leaning in on the 20s and like the film noir stuff with Veronica. Love it. But there's a lot of fourth wall breaking happening in this sequence. And it's fucking horrible. I I hated it. It's just dumb. So we cut back and forth. Like she starts a song and then it's her giving her breast conference. And she says... You know, I'm not a stranger to scandal. That's what it means to be a lodge. I love my parents. But all those things I did, yes, I did do them. But I did them under duress because my father threatened me. And like a good, dutiful daughter, I did what I was told by Hiram Lodge. So she fully throws her father under the bus. Good. Which is fair. He deserves it. She sings a little bit more. And then we go back to her press conference. And she's like, you want to know who I'm standing with? Neither of them. From this day forward, I stand only with and for myself. Well done, Veronica. Which I like, but it's also some foreshadowing. Yeah. It's all about Veronica. Oh, yeah. And she's going to choose herself every time. But I do think that plays well into my future prediction that her and Archie are going to part ways for good. Like, they're going to break up. Yeah. Like, it's going to be amicable, but it's really going to be like, Veronica's like, nope, we're done. I got to do my thing. You're going to do your thing. So we're done. So we cut on over to the doghouse. Hey! 
And Archie and Veronica are there. They're working on paperwork. And he's like, is that your Harvard application? She goes, yeah, but I'm thinking of making a change. The lodge name is tainted. Like Madoff or Corleone. But my mother's maiden name, Gomez, I think I could work with that. So Archie just kind of looks at her like, so I would be dating Veronica Gomez now. Hmm. What is she like? Veronica says, I don't know. We're going to find out. Break up. Yep. Cut on over to the principal's office. And we just hear this buzzing. This buzzing. And Cheryl comes on in. She goes, what's the matter, Miss Bell? And Miss Bell says, okay, just be careful, Cheryl. What a mess. And we can hear that it's bees. You can tell that sound is very, very obvious. It's bees. And Cheryl goes, I hope you aren't allergic, Mr. Honey. Toodles. And we turn and we see that there is a giant beehive buzzing on his desk. Which it's like, bitch, you're so stupid. You're so fucking stupid. I... <sighs> I I have no faith that they're ever going to figure her character out again. No, because they just want her to show up and say interesting things and be hot, like which is fine, but like you ruined her in the process. She should have just been a tertiary character. You made her a full cast member. Unless they get her help, which maybe they do, but holy shit. All right, so we cut back to the FBI place and Bay's like what's going on? Have you heard from my mom? And Charles is like, no, maybe I was wrong. Maybe we could roll the dice with Kevin. And she's like, oh, I already have. I gave him the name of our fake witness, Beth what? Penelope Blossom. And Charles rightfully goes like, you are screwing up an active FBI agent. Like, why are you doing this? And she's like, well, uh, he'll find out where Edgar. And then in walks Kevin. Betty, it worked. I've connected with Fangs, told him about Penelope, and they told me where the farm is staying. It's an abandoned motel beyond the Maple Barrens. <laughs> I love the use of the phrase Maple Barrens. <laughs> and they're armed. There's guns. And Edgar's building something. And Charles says, Edgar's digging in. He's getting ready for war. I swear to God, they're doing fucking Waco. Of course they are, which makes total sense. I'm fine with this. <sighs> I'm fine with this. <laughs> it's just so much. Oh, I'm sorry. And harvesting organs wasn't too much for you last season? Like, uh, this is part for the course now. This, uh, is, no, this is the train I, we are on. But that's my thing is, don't... <laughs> For once, don't try to do a story like that. So we cut over to the not Cooper house <laughs> and Jughead walks down. He's in a suit. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like, do I look like a jerk? No, you look like a gentleman. And Jellybean's there and she's looking concerned. And Jughead says, it's not too far. I'll be back every weekend. No. And FP says, I'm glad you accepted. Like, you're sort of a legacy there. To which Jughead's like, what? Well, your grandpa... Forsyth the first actually went to Stonewall Prep for a couple months until he dropped out. Jack is like, what happened? Why didn't you tell me this sooner? And it's ancient history. He quit at everything, including me. He went out for a pack of smokes and he never came back. I didn't want to mention it because I wanted this to be your decision. I didn't want my old man's shadow hanging over you. It's a chance for you to do something good for yourself and I'm proud of you. It's going to be a good year. A really good year. So that's a lot of information we've never had before. And will not wind up well for Jughead. No. And then we cut to spring break. <laughs> and we see all of the friends. We see FP in a sheriff uniform. And they've all got flashlights. And they're walking through the woods yelling for Jughead. Riverdale. Love it. Love it. What the fuck's going on? Yeah. Um, I'm so excited. Like, I... Okay, so I saw this. I was like, okay, this is Riverdale episode, Riverdale episode. And then they did that flash forward. And I was like, fuck yeah, thank you. I needed that. That just was like, damn it. I want the next episode now. You pulled me back in. So like the total never going to happen but ballsy move would be to do Jughead the Hunger. 
No, it's not going to happen. <laughs> that would be a great fever dream episode. That would be so fucking funny, though. Yeah, but it's not going to happen. I don't know where they're going. And yeah, the, the twist the twist in the flash forward is a perfect way to keep us hanging in, to keep wanting to watch more. Yeah. Probably the biggest disappointment right now is that they're not doing anything to try to make Kevin or Cheryl better. There's like the tiniest hint for Kevin. But again, until I know how it plays out, I don't trust it. No, I don't either. Well, we got to go see what's going to happen next time. All right. So, uh, chapter 60, Dog Day Afternoon. There are literally only two things we see going on here. There's a confrontation with who I believe is Charles speaking to Edgar. It may not be Edgar. It's somebody with the farm. They're telling him, you need to get out of Riverdale or you need to go. There's a confrontation. And then Polly shows up with the bomb on her chest. That's cool. Cool. Oh, I thought that was Archie in a black mask being an Avenger. No. Oh. No, that's not Archie. I believe that's Charles. But But what if it is? That's stupid. That makes no sense. I don't know. This show has proven us wrong so many times. It would be completely ridiculous for Archie to go after the farm because Archie's had no contact or interaction with the farm at all. Not even a little bit last season. Hmm. So yeah, no, that wouldn't play. Makes sense for it to be Charles. And then Polly shows up and uh, tries to explode the FBI place with Betty in it. And then apparently Betty's going to be like a bomb diffuser. Great. Sure. <laughs> sure. That makes sense. I'm Yeah. Cool. <sighs> I have no fucking clue what the show is doing. <laughs> yeah. Yep. This is stupid. Let's roller coaster ride it. That's all we can do. All right. Well, if you want to talk to us more about this episode, you can find us on Twitter at the underscore doghouse pod or at Macintosh and Mod because we are on the Macintosh and Mod network, which, you know, is us. <laughs> so until next time, hashtag Go Bulldogs. Be sure to review and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcast. For questions, comments, and recommendations, you can email us at macintoshandmod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook.